author Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thank you for joining us on the Paul Leslie Hour. I am sad to say that Martin Sharnan has passed away. He was a theater legend. In fact, I would say he was one of the absolute giants in the world of American theater. I was very lucky to have the opportunity to speak with him. I'm going to play this interview with Martin Sharnan, taped for the radio days back a few years ago. It was conducted over the telephone. The audio quality is not great, but you can understand everything. So I hope you'll bear with me. It's worth listening to. In this interview, the theater legend Martin Charnin talked about his life as a lyricist in theater, as well as the songs that he wrote. Many notable people recorded the work of Martin Charnin, among them Barbara Streisand, Johnny Mathis, Tony Bennett, Rod McEwen, and many others. He was the original lyricist director of Annie, which played 2,377 performances in its original Broadway run. Yes, Martin Sharnan was the lyricist of the song Tomorrow. He went on to write lyrics and direct many musicals. As an actor, he appeared in over 1,000 appearances of West Side Story on Broadway and on the road. He wrote, directed, and produced nightclub acts also for such personalities as Dionne Warwick, Nancy Wilson, Mary Travers, and Leslie Uggams, just to name a few. Martin Sharnan was also the artistic director of the Showtunes Theater Company in Seattle, Washington. He remained vital and active, working until the very end of his life. He passed away just the other day, July 3rd, 2019. I hope you all enjoy this interview. It was great to delve into the mind of one of theater's true icons. I ask that you join me in remembering him, and I hope you enjoy listening to this interview that we did. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our great pleasure to welcome this man, Martin Sharnan. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, my pleasure. What was life like growing up? <laughs> Lordy, life growing up in Manhattan. My father was an opera singer, so there was music around the house all the time, but there wasn't a lot of show music. It was mostly Aida and Pagliacci and... Carmen, and I can't even remember how many operas I, I heard growing up. The first time, actually, and I would go to the Met. He sang at the Met. I would go to the Met, and I never actually saw an opera from the front until I was in, the, in my 20s. I always saw them from the back, from backstage, from the side. And I, I literally began life as a painter. The music and art. Cooper Union, and was a very serious painter, but gave it up before I graduated from college because a friend of mine invited me to go and work with him, painting sets and doing walk-ons and whatnot in a summer stock situation. And I went and got bit and have been bitten ever since. There's a number of things that you've done creatively a writer, a lyricist, a theater director. Is there one thing that you would say draws you in more? Well, the most fun that you have, I think, is when you have the most control 
because basically you're making your 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 you've got to have an overview of the entire project. So when I'm doing a a producing a nightclub act or directing a a, mu- a Broadway musical or even a regional theater musical, I have a a lot of fun being able to make mistakes, correct them, find solutions without necessarily having to go. The collaborative part of it is all terrific, but there comes a point when somebody has to, you know, like Harry Truman said, the buck stops here. Well, I like I like it a lot when the buck is stopping at my desk. But I do enjoy writing lyrics a great deal. I mean, there's no denying denying that. It's very tactile. A show is, ta- is tactile, and then you can kind of have to give it up. You go, you leave it. It's on. It belongs to the to the actors and 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 the stagehands and the orchestra and the audience. The lyrics don't belong to anybody except the guy who wrote them. So I enjoy, you know, having the tactile feeling of of having written the the lyrics or the music on occasion. That's that's very very rewarding as well. Can you remember the first lyrics you ever wrote? Oh, I yes, I wrote I wrote them wrote them in in 1958 for uh, a dopey off Broadway review that I got got put on that Brooks Atkinson, who was then the respected critic for the New York Times, loathed. He really hated it, and but it was a good lesson because he was very constructive and he kind of pointed out some some major mistakes that were made. But it was review material. It wasn't a book show. The first book show that I remember writing was the one that I wrote with Mary Rogers, which unfortunately did not have any kind of a life or success, but it was for a show called Hotspot, which we did in 1962 and three. What was the experience of working with Mary Rogers like? Oh, it was very pleasant. I mean, we were we were contemporaries. It was a, it was a nice family to hang around with. When Daddy was Richard Rogers, that's not chopped liver. So I got to meet through my relationship with with her all of the people that I had only read about or heard about. But she was a wonderful collaborator. We had a, a lot of good good times times writing writing stuff. We wrote for television. We wrote a couple of Musical television, the Jackie Gleason, and the Honeymooners, and it was fun. It was just a lot of fun. You've worked with a lot of composers over the years. Could you say that one has been a favorite? No, because, you know, that's such a tough question. Technically, you have to be in love with your collaborator on the particular project that you're doing. So if I'm writing a show, if I, if I was writing a show with Richard, Richard Rogers, I wouldn't be walking around saying, oh my goodness, I, I wish this were Charles South. And by the same token, if I'm sitting and writing a show with Charles South, I'm not going to walk around saying, oh Lord, I hope, hope this is Harold, I wish this were Harold Arlen. That's very, very counterproductive. You have to be faithful to the composer that you're in love with at that particular moment and the project. I mean, if you're not, if you're, if you're, 
not faithful. Fidelity to, to the event is really vital. You did a lot of performances on Broadway and on the road. What kind of lessons did you learn from performing? You mean as an actor? Yeah, as an actor. Well, I mean, I did one show, which was West Side Story, and I learned a great deal. You learn, you you learn the discipline of the of the thing. Of course, I was really very lucky to be doing West Side. To my way of thinking, no matter what show I ever write or create or have created, it's it doesn't compare to West Side, which I think is just a monumental piece of work. And I enjoyed doing it, but I realized that it was only a temporary kind of circumstance that I really wanted to create them rather than interpret them for somebody else. In terms of your lyric writing, is there a lyricist who has influenced you the most? I think all lyric writers influence lyric writers. I mean, if you're smart, you pay attention to everything. There are occasions when, you know, when something that Cole Porter wrote a hundred years ago ends up having impact or Irving Berlin or or Sondheim or whomever. You really have to be you have to be a student constantly. I think it's very important to be a student of your craft. And I think everybody teaches you something. What was your impression of Charles Strauss, the composer, when you met him? Well, I'd known him for a long time. He was a pianist, a an accompanist for a lot of the actors who were around town, and he and I had the same publisher. And we had threatened to to write a show together, but never really got around to it until until Annie happened. And Charles is very disciplined, was then, probably still is now, as disciplined. And Charles loves to write, and I love to write. So one of the things that was most attractive about working with Charles was the fact that he wasn't a lazy composer. You would be able to um, to work with him on a on a fairly regular day to day basis, and he would be willing and eager to um, change things. So collaboration, which is as I as I said before, so vital to the making of, of a show. It was very easy to have accommodated when when I was working with Charles. It was fun. Again, I use that word. It's, it's meaningless unless you're doing it. After we had the Charles Strauss interview, it was not even an hour later. I was in a grocery store, and I heard this little girl singing Tomorrow, and she wasn't just singing a verse from Tomorrow. She sang the entire song. Right. Do you ever get tired of hearing the song? Never, 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 never. I don't know how many nevers that was, but it was too few. <laughs> no, I never get tired of hearing anything that I've ever written. I <laughs> I have qualms every now and, and again about how something is interpreted, but at at the end of it all, the fact that they that who, whoever's chosen to do it does it makes it quite a tribute to, to the fact that I wrote it. I love the fact that people sing my songs. As I said, in a way, it's really almost better than directing because there it is again. It's tactile. You hear somebody doing it. I also love to hear kids sing. I mean, and kids sing the Annie score relentlessly. I can't tell you how many 
thousands of times I've heard children sing it. And even when they sing it poorly, it's just joyful. It has to be incredible to have a song like that that has permeated our culture so much. It is pretty incredible. I mean, I pinch myself a lot because it surfaces that in, in very odd ways at strange times in, in different sets of circumstances under different sets of conditions. It's sung for different reasons. However, it touches people, and it touches people in, in a lot of ways. The thing that I, that I love is, is how, how, how iconic it's become mostly because of its, its point of view, its simplicity, and it's rather elegant in, in, in terms of its simplicity because it really doesn't have a lot of, quote, language in it. It's a very simple statement which has, has sort of transcended itself and, and people sing it. Of any song that you've written the lyrics to, what has been your favorite interpretation? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's, that's tough. Streisand has done any number of wonderful interpretations of songs that I wrote with Harold Arlen and Charles Strauss. And Tony Bennett has a record of a song that I wrote with Richard Rogers from 2 by 2 called I Do Not Know a Day I Did Not Love You that's mind-bogglingly beautiful. But every artist brings his own point of view and attitude toward how they do it. And the, the fun of it is, the joy of it is discovering that they have a, they, 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 they really honor it and they alter it. And honoring it and altering it and keeping it the same is, is, is remarkable. But people are able to do that. One of the songs you wrote the lyrics to appeared on the Barbara Streisand album, The Way We Were. I'm talking about The Best Thing You've Ever Done was the title. What was the inspiration for that song? Oh, well, that, 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 that song was written because Herb Ross, who was the director of a film that Barbara was doing called, I don't even remember what the movie was. Herb Ross had asked me, I bumped into him on the street, and he wanted to know whether or not I could come up with a song for the movie. And the movie, I think the movie was The Owl and the Pussycat. And I said, are you doing it the same way that the show is being done? He said, yes. I said, well, let me read the play and see if I can come up with it. He said, well, you better come up with it real quick because we're going to go in and record the score that, we're, that Barbara's going to be doing next week in California. So over a weekend, I wrote that song only to discover that it couldn't be done by an outside composer that whoever had written the the score for for the show for the movie had a contract to do the do the song so it couldn't have been couldn't be done but Barbara had heard it and loved it a great deal and decided to record it so at that recording session she went in and 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 recorded it with an amazing Michelle Legrand orchestration so it was written in a context which is really the best way and probably the only way that I can write. I don't just sit down and arbitrarily write songs. I like to write songs for characters, for people in 
in shows and plays. And that was basically a character for the character of the girl in uh, Alan, Puss- Alan Pussycat. You also wrote the lyrics for I Remember Mama, which was a musical. Tell us about that experience. Oh, it was complicated. There was a major conflict between myself and Lee Woolman, who was the star of the show. I, I, And not basically, in my opinion, and in many others, equipped to sing what Dick and I, Dick Rogers and I had written for her. And and so I left I left the project and ended up ended up being replaced by I don't even remember I think two songs were replaced in the show. I mean writing with Dick was a lot of fun. Very, very easy for me. And the disappointment I guess was that Lou Bowman wasn't able to pull off what I was able to do when we didn't get along. She was selling tickets, I wasn't. I wanted to ask you about Show Tunes, the theater company there in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. That's really interesting. Tell us about that. Well, Show Tunes has a mission, and it's a great mission, the mission to bring to the audience, to the theater-going audience, unsung musicals, musicals that really haven't made it. Because so here at the, at, in Seattle at the Fifth Avenue or at the Paramount, what they get are the first run Broadway shows. The ones that come through are all, are all either the old war horses that everybody knows by, by virtue of the title or their, uh, or their, or their musicals that have been maybe on Broadway and are coming through with their first road companies. Showtunes has a, an obligation to recreate in concert form shows that nobody really knows or remembers or performs. And so its mission is to keep these shows alive so that those who are interested in the musical theater have an opportunity to experience them. They have an opportunity to see them and hear them. The books may not be these earth-shattering stories that have ended up taking over the, the the theater, but in every one of these songs, in every one of these shows, there's one or two gems that the Gershwins have written, or Decent Schwartz have written, or Dick Rogers has written, and they don't get sung in the context of the show, and I think people have a great deal of, of joy finding out why and where something like Oh, I don't know, my heart stood still or or something from on your toes came from. Tell us about this musical entitled Skin Deep. The process of being done, it's, it's, oh, I don't know, maybe six months to a year from away from being completed. And it's taking a natural, its own natural time. There are some songs of yours that have been recorded by Nancy Wilson. And I also read that you produced a nightclub act for her. Yeah, I did I did her her big show at the Sands. What did you find her like to work with? Oh, she was a joy. She was she was a wonderfully, wonderfully intense, dedicated singer and great jazz singer and very, very easy to work with. She was like a sponge. She took in material and she was able to she she also worked quickly. 
said, like, she didn't labor over things. She got it. She got it fast, and she was able to make it work. What song that you wrote was recorded by Rod McEwen? Oh, it was a song called Ariane, which was me attempting to write in, a, in, 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 in the style of, I don't know, Charles Aznavour or Jacques Brel. And I, I just wrote it. He recorded it, and Johnny Mathis recorded it. There's a glorious recording of that, of that song that Johnny Mathis made. McEwen recorded it first, and Mathis heard it, and then he recorded it. What is the best thing about being Mark Charnin? <laughs> well, at the moment, it's, it's, my family is smart and healthy, and I'm still writing, and I'm bubbling over with, with ideas, and I, I'm not timid about putting them down on paper, and I'm not afraid of failure. I think that's the best thing at the moment. So if it's some, something doesn't work, you stick out your chin and say, it'll get better tomorrow. My last question is open-ended. For anyone listening to this interview, what would you like to say to them? I, <laughs> I would say quite simply that the musical theater is a, is a gift and it should be nurtured and, and taken care of and people should go to the theater and see and hear and learn as much as they possibly can about what, what we do as artists. Mr. Shornan, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for sharing with us. Likewise. Thank you for the call.